we, we've got this conversation that we're having around a book or a letter that a guy named James wrote. James was Jesus' half-brother, same mom, different dad. And uh, he wrote a letter to the Jewish Christians who had been scattered around the region at the time. And, and it's a very, very practical letter of instructions. One of my favorite letters, being a pragmatist, tell it to me straight, tell me how, don't pull, don't pull the punches. And James did that. And we started that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you'll be able to listen to the podcast from that uh, from two weeks ago. Today, I want to talk from another part of the letter that James wrote. And it's around the topic of temptation. Okay, which I guess, I think I can safely assume this message is for everyone. Okay, I'm assuming by your silence that you know that that's true. So if you've got your little smart devices, you can uh, follow along from this passage. James, from the first chapter of his letter, I'm just going to read from verse 13. And this is what James wrote. Don't let anyone under pressure... To give in to evil, say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby. Sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. So, my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. This is a guy, James, who loved people enough that he wrote a letter that included a warning, a warning about the destructive nature of giving in to temptation. And it's just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago when James wrote it. In fact, I'm pretty confident the list of temptations now far exceeds that when James wrote this letter. But the principle is exactly the same. Now, let me start by saying this, and, I, and, and, and I'll zero in on this first part from another version of the Bible, another version that James wrote from verse 13. It translates this way. When tempted, nobody should say, God is tempting me. Notice James says, when tempted. Not if, not if, but when. James recognized that we, we all get tempted. And I want to start by saying to you, if you're someone that's re- like right here, right now, you're sitting here and you're struggling in your life with something that's, that's, that's overtaken you or you, or, you, or you fear it's in the process of overtaking you, I want, I want you to know that that doesn't make you evil. That, that, that we all struggle with temptation, myself included. I don't have some special kind of exemption from this. Jesus, when he physically walked the earth as a human, was tempted. The song remains the same 2,000 years later. Only the scenery has changed. So I want to share a couple of helpful principles from God's word about how we can actually address temptation. You know, professional sporting teams, AFL, so on and so forth, when they finish the game and in the preparation for the next week's game, they, they study the game tape. They study the, the videos. And uh, this practice has been going on for a long time. They study, they don't just study how they played 
in the previous match or the previous game, they look at how their coming opposition played. And they look for patterns and they look for weaknesses in their opposition that's coming up in the next round. They look for those weaknesses and they devise a game plan specifically tailored to exploit the weaknesses of the opposition in order to beat that opposition. They don't take the same game plan into every single opponent. They look at the specific weaknesses of a team and angle their game plan towards that. And what we need to understand is the devil is studying game film of your life and my life. He's studying game film to find weaknesses. And that's where he hits. He devises a game plan to hit us at our weakest point. And we need to understand that we can't be naive to that. But having said that we need to be aware that he's studying our weaknesses, we don't need to be terrified that that's happening because we're on the winning team. We have powers that he doesn't have. We've got God's Holy Spirit. But it's not necessarily automatic. We still have to craft a game plan knowing that the devil's going to attack us at our point of weakness. So I'm going to share a very, very simple, yet I believe very profound and and incredibly helpful, if you apply it, principle for how we can actually, uh, for our game plan. First part, of our game plan is we need to actually understand the difference between testing and temptation. Okay? There's a difference between being tested and being tempted. James wrote, don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God won't tempt us. God will test us. God will allow us to go through trials, but God won't tempt us. There's a difference between testing and tempting. That's the first thing we need to get very clear on. And with that understanding, with the understanding that there's a difference between testing and tempting, we need to craft the right response to each. How do we respond when, it's, when we're being tested? How do we respond when we're being tempted? And it's a different response to each situation, a different response to being tested as to being tempted. Craft the right response. The response to testing is to resist. Resist testing. The devil will send tests. God will allow us to be tested. We need to actually stand strong. We need to actually stand strong in trials and in tests. You turn up to your job. You work with integrity. You bring your best. And yet despite that, maybe your boss or your colleagues... Uh, start making life very difficult for you. If you're called to that job, you need to keep bringing your best and resist the tests. If you've got a child that seems to be drifting away from Jesus, rather than just let him or her go, you need to, 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 to keep praying and keep standing and keep resisting the test, keep resisting defeat. If you're fighting to, to get financially free and get out of debt, and I know many of you have and, and, and really got a jump start from our uh, Dave Ramsey's teaching a few weeks ago. And that thing breaks. 
and that bill comes in and that thing happens and, and, and you take some more financial hits, don't stop, resist, stand strong, keep fighting. We need to resist the tests, resist giving in. But what about temptation? Have you ever been told to resist temptation? Ever heard that expression, resist temptation? How's that working for you? The person with the sweet tooth who's got the ice cream stashed in the bottom of the freezer and the, and the lolly jar sitting up on the, on the kitchen cabinet, a little bit out of reach. You know, you have to go and get the stepladder in order to get the lollies. But they're there, the pantry with the cookies and the, and, the, and the bars of chocolates. And what you do when you've got all that in place is you sit in the middle of your kitchen and you just look around and you say, must resist, must resist, must not give in, must resist, building willpower, must not give in. Try it. Or not. Because it don't work. Resisting temptation is bad advice. Thankfully, the Bible teaches a better approach. Resist testing, but flee temptation. Resist tempting, but don't resist temptation. It doesn't work. Flee temptation. See, too often we flee the test and resist the temptation. We get the solution completely mixed up. James says, don't resist when trials come about. You can read it in the first chapter, verses two and three, James in the same letter, back it up a little bit, scroll back up in your U version. You'll see James says, don't resist when, tr- when your faith is tested. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance and perseverance will see you grow up to be fully mature. We won't have a fully mature faith unless we've had a faith that's been tested. We're not meant to run away from the tests, but we often do. Something's being tested. God's testing us and we run, we run from the test. We flee the test and then, and then we do the, the thing we should do in the test to the temptation. We res- try to resist the temptation and that doesn't work either. So we miss the benefits of the trials, getting stronger faith, and we capitulate time and time and time again by, by futilely, it's probably not a word, resisting temptation when actually the game plan for temptation needs to be fleeing. If you have a problem with gambling, don't hang out at the casino trying to build your willpower. Must resist roulette wheel. Must resist blackjack. It doesn't work. If you've got a problem with drinking, don't hang out at the pub promising you're just going to drink mineral water. Flee. Now, it, it, it sounds a bit obvious, right? But it, so many people don't do this. Flee temptation. Don't resist it. Flee it. <sighs> this is not a new problem. Right back at the beginning of creation, Adam and Eve are walking in the garden, enjoying the garden. God said to them, guy, girl, Adam, you can have everything in this garden. You can eat from every single tree in this garden, except for one. That one there, I don't want you to touch it that way. Have every single, but that one there, I I don't want you to eat from that tree. Well, here's what they should have done. They should have set up their campfire at the opposite side of the garden to that tree. But did they do that? No. They, they instead of fleeing 
temptation, they decided they were going to have a crack at resisting temptation. So they just wandered around that tree all day looking at it. Mm. They could have had anything else. No. Mm, Wow. Till eventually they capitulated. And we now know that as original sin. Don't hang around the temptation. Flee the temptation. Back uh, in the days of the Wild West in the U.S., the uh, company was kind of the, the modern day, or not the, so the old day FedEx. They're called Cobb & Co., the stagecoach company. And uh, they delivered packages and, and mail and so on around the Wild West. And uh, so each, uh, each stagecoach had a driver, had someone that, you know, cracked the horse and, and steered the stagecoach. And uh, Cobb & Co. were interviewing for some new stagecoach drivers. And they had this one guy come in, a uh, real sort of, uh, you know, confident guy. And he comes into the interview and, uh, and, he, and, and the manager says, you know, tell us a little bit, bit about your style and, and how you handle a stagecoach. Ah, oh, man, let me tell you, when I drive a stagecoach, there's nothing that gets in my way. I go, I go so fast. When we go around these mountain passes, man, I take that thing right out on the edge and I get those, those deliveries there quicker than anybody else. I'll take the most dangerous routes I can to get the stuff there quick. Uh, and, and the managers, you know, the in, guy interviewing is like, okay, yeah, that's okay. All right, sure. Thanks, thanks. We'll, we'll be in touch. Next guy comes in. Guy, a little bit sheepish, a little bit sort of seemingly lacking confidence. And the guy interviewing him says to the young guy, so, you know, tell me about your style. And how you drive a stagecoach. He says, oh, it's not really very impressive. I, I kind of, I, 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 I take the most kind of safe route. Because I want to make sure that the, the goods are delivered 100% of the time. And I go, I go a little bit slower than some of the other drivers that I see around. And, uh, and I don't take the high mountain passes. And I don't go out on the edge. So, you know, I, I understand if I'm not if I'm not the, the, the most suitable candidate and if you, if you won't give me the job. And the manager says, mate, you've got the job right here, right now. The fact that you don't flirt with the things that are going to break you down, I'll give you the job. We're not meant to resist temptation. We're meant to flee it. Is that helping anybody? Let me give you a bonus thought as I finish. The shortest message I've preached all year. Don't get used to it. Verse 15. Let's put that up. You know, one of the most helpful things that we need for our own life is perspective on who we are. Broken. Imperfect. Weak people coupled with a very clear understanding of who Jesus is. Perfect, strong, and why we need him. We need both of those things. We don't need to beat ourselves up for being weak, but don't be naive. James, he kind of tackles this. Again, this is a guy that had just written, when tempted, not if, when, when tempted. He throws in a little warning to the people he's writing to, just as true for us as it was for them back then. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby. 
sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. So, my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. The warning is, don't ever use the excuse, it's just a little temptation. It's just one row of chocolate. It's just one flutter at the casino. It's, oh, it's the Melbourne Cup. I mean, everyone bets on the Melbourne Cup day. If you've got a problem with gambling, you better not be one that bets on the Melbourne Cup or anything for that matter. It's just one glass of wine, says the alcoholic. You know, one of the reasons Alcoholics Anonymous is so successful is because years and decades later, when the people turn up to the meeting, they don't ever say, I was an alcoholic. They say, hi, my name's Jim. I am an alcoholic. They understand that they are just one drink away from getting back to where they started, the bottom of the pit. That, that, that awareness, that reality is actually the thing that protects them. Well, here's James saying, lust gets pregnant and has a baby. Oh, look at the baby. Everyone loves the baby. Oh, the baby. Oh, it's a beautiful baby. Remember watching Dr. Phil one time. And he had this young teenage girl on who was just popping out babies like the Ford Motor Factory. Just, they were, they, they were like gremlins. And Dr. Phil has her on the show and he says to her, Sweetheart, you understand that babies grow up. And the look of shock on her face, as if like, they do? Oh, such a cute baby. Look at that little temptation. Such a cute baby. Yeah? Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. So my dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Don't resist Temptation. Flee. Temptation. I was sharing with our team members this morning when we were praying. Uh, I subscribed to a few news feeds and so on and so forth, and, uh, and including some, some sort of Christian news feeds. And uh, probably not a day goes by where I don't have in my news feeds at least one and often multiple stories of church leaders who have found themselves out of disqualified from leading a church because they, you know, had sex with someone that wasn't their wife or made off with the, 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 the giving or... One of my biggest... As a church leader, one of my biggest, biggest weapons in my game plan is understanding that I am just one stupid decision away from disqualifying myself from leading a church. Will Jesus forgive me? Yeah, sure. Great. But I'm called to lead a church and I'm one stupid trying to resist temptation decision away from disqualifying my calling to lead a church. So I, I've got a game plan. Hope is not a strategy. 
I hope I don't do that. I know I'm very capable of doing all sorts of stupid things. So I have a game plan and you need to have a game plan too. I don't touch the money here. You know the buckets? They go somewhere after you put your money in. I don't have a key to where they go. I know where they go. But I, and I know who's got the key, but they don't let me in. But that's, that was my decision. Don't let me touch the money. Sometimes people, you know, uh, maybe they, 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 they've missed an opportunity or, or God spoke to them and they want to give more on a particular Sunday. And, and often because they, they've seen me up here preaching, they'll come to me. Here, Mark, I want to give. I don't ever, ever touch that, ever. I, 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 I point out one of our board members or one of our operations team said, just go to, go to them. I don't resist temptation. I flee it. Um, our, our team leaders, we have, a, we have a, a, a very clear understanding that we do not ever, ever spend time in a private setting with a member of the opposite gender. We don't do it. I won't ever, if you're a chick, you won't ever get to come for a joyride on the back of my Vespa. Sorry if that breaks your heart. But that's a decision that we've made. If I, have a, if I had a car, I would never give you a lift as a female. I would never give you a lift. It's not because I don't love you. And I'm sorry if you're stuck. I'll help you find a female to give you a lift. But I won't do that. Is that because I don't trust myself? Well, not, not entirely. I mean, it's actually, by the way, uh, these days, your reputation isn't, doesn't have to be destroyed by what you do, your reputation can be destroyed by what you've been accused of doing long before you get to prove that you're innocent. So we just don't go there. Just don't even go there. Now you're going to think I'm really crackers. If I'm in an elevator, in a hotel or wherever it happens to be, if I'm in an elevator and it stops at a floor, I mean, they're on my own. If it stops at a floor and a female is there, she's pushed the button to get in, I get out and I take the next elevator. Do you think I'm stupid or do you think I'm wise? Flip them wise. I have meetings with chicks, but we have them at a coffee shop. Wide open. I let my wife know that I'm having that meeting with that chick. It's just wise. Now, that's my game plan. Knowing there's a few unique moving parts as church leaders. And by the way, our team leaders have the same game plan for them as well. We have... Uh, windows in the doors of all of our offices. By the way, we're uh, this week going to be getting quotes to have glass doors in our halls uh, where our kids are now there behind closed dark doors. That's a really great message to send to a first-time guest. Drop your kids off and you'll never see them for the next hour. That's just not good. So we're going there. That's the next Building the Future project. Pretty wise, huh? But it's not, you know, it's like, flee! We're not even going to go there. What's your game plan? What, what, what's your area of weakness? What's your area of vulnerability? I'm not here to condemn you for it, but, but we need to be aware of it. We need to put the, the spotlight on it and craft a game plan because the devil's got the spotlight on it. And know it and flee it. Is that helpful for anybody? Oh, just when I... I promised I was going to finish early. <sighs> Had another thought. You can get used to that. Hey, uh, last uh, question I want to ask you this morning is whether you have a personal relationship with Jesus.
Pete's already talked about it. Pete's already talked about it, shared a great story, this 13-year-old kid. No context to know Jesus until now. And now he's getting some context and he's getting some leaders investing in him. Absolutely brilliant. He hasn't made the decision yet, as far as I'm aware, Pete, to, to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. He will. Have you? That's my last question this morning. Have you made a, a decision to follow Jesus? Because if you haven't, that's great. Because you're here and we're now giving you an opportunity to make that decision. Right here, right now. If you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, what I want you to do is to put your hand up. And, and, and putting your hand up, you're, you're, you're actually symbolizing, you're saying, yep, that's me. I do want to make that decision right here, right now to follow Jesus. And when I see a hand, you can put it down. Then we're just going to kind of pray all together where we're seated. So... If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, just put your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we'll pray. I don't want to miss anybody, and I especially don't want you to miss this opportunity. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Don't pass the opportunity right here, right now that you have. I'm trying to pressure you, but I've got to tell you, this is the best decision you'd ever make to say yes to following Jesus. So let me just look around our auditorium one more time. If you've never made that decision, How about you make the decision right now?